0: Welcome to the Harrison Faith Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Brian Herring. It's our prayer. This message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. For those who have not been with us the whole time, we've been going through First and 2 Timothy over the summer, and we're going to end next week. But Timothy is uh, getting a letter from Paul where Paul is writing his last letter before he dies. These are his last words. These are his last impartation of what he's wanting to leave behind. And he's imparting it to his young protege, Timothy. And he's giving him some advice and guidance. And we've been leading up. And this week, uh, we're going to kind of go with the idea, the theme I've titled, uh, Trust the Word. Because you can trust the Word. You can trust, and so Tim, Paul is going to instruct Timothy that you can trust the scriptures, you can trust what the Word says, and you can trust how Paul lived out the Word, which is so important because many people are great at uh, uh, tell, uh, telling people what to do. They're great at informing people, they're just not great at showing people. And, and we've got to remember this. The, the, the word role model comes from this idea that you've got to be able to model the role. And so if you're a role model, you better be modeling the role because people don't do what you say, they do what you do. We're great imitators. You don't believe it? Why do you think kids act the way they do? And you know, that's why we say you act just like your dad. You act just like your mom. Why? Because they're great imitators. You say, now don't say that, and then what do they do? They say exactly what we say. In fact. well, I'm not going to say what my mom said. It's not a bad word. It's just not church appropriate. And uh, I'd get in trouble for saying it because, you know, she said I couldn't say that word. But when she almost had a wreck, that's what she said. So that's what I said. Because um, <laughs> kids are great imitators. And so that's what we do. We are great imitators. In fact, just, just to clarify in case my mom ever goes back and watches, I've never heard my mom cuss a day in her life. But we have what we call Christian cuss words, and uh, they're just not church appropriate. So anyway, um, there you go. We weren't allowed to say it, so there you go. Uh, we're going to pick up in verse 10 because we, we did the first part of uh, chapter 3 last week, and in the second part, <coughs> excuse me, he says, But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what purpose and, and, and my purpose, what my purpose in life is. Uh, I'm just gonna pause right there and just say this midway through the, this verse and say this true discipleship happens life on life. He's saying, You know, you know because you've been with me, you know because you followed my example, you know these things about me. And so, this idea, no, in fact, the Greek word translates no, translates to uh, to follow near or trace out or conform to. You, he's saying, you follow followed near to me, so you know this. You've been close beside me. <clears throat> these aren't things... I'm sorry, I, I, I don't have anything. I just got a tickle in my throat with these stinking allergies. And uh, nowadays, I feel like every time I've got to make this bigger apology. But um, anyway, C- Caleb said he's not allowed to cough in public anymore. I don't know how he does that, but you can't cough in public because people think things. But... Um, uh, but that, this is the idea. Paul is telling Timothy, you've been with me, you've followed me, you know. Here's what I want to ask. Do the, the people around you who know you best, what would they say about you? As followers of Christ, because here's the deal, I've said this before, it doesn't really matter what the crowds think, it doesn't matter what the the, the, the people in this room think, they don't live with me day in and day out. Ultimately what matters is, what does my wife and kids think about my life? Do, they, do I model for them because they know me intimately? They've lived with me. They've followed me. They know if I'm full of junk up here what I'm saying or if I live out and I'm sincere in what I say. They know that if what I'm telling you is what I've lived out in my own daily life or they know that if I'm I've, I, I, I've just kind of saying one thing up here and living a different lifestyle somewhere else. There, there's, there's nothing that, that I can hide from them because they know me best. Paul is saying this about Timothy. He's saying, you've lived with me, you've followed me, you've gone day in and day out. You, you, we've, we've done this thing with each other. We did life together. So, so you've seen me live out these things. So the question I have for us is ultimately, is what are you living out? What would the people who know you best say about your life? Right? Because some of us have a church us, some of us have a work us, and then there's a real us. <laughs> so my question is, is do your life and your lips agree? Do, do you live out what you speak out or is it just words? Because I believe as believers, we should be the same in front, behind, in the shadows. There should be no difference between the character of our person and what we live out and what we say out, and what we speak to other people. We should live in agreement. And the problem is, and I've always said this, you know, it's amazing to me. uh, I remember growing up, and uh, I grew up in a time where everything was a sin, you know? I mean, in fact, Wednesday, I'm teaching, because it's the last Wednesday before we launch live groups on Wednesday night, and I'm gonna talk about how to lead someone to the Lord. And uh, in doing so, I was thinking about everybody, the broadcaster, and I remember growing up that, There, no everything was a sin, and if you had one bad thought, hit by a car, you were going to hell. There was no grace, no mercy, no in between. You can't make any mistakes. If you have a mistake in that moment and think one bad thought, you're dead. You're gone. It's over. Stinks for you. Doesn't matter what you do before that. Now, now that's a little contrary to scripture because there's grace that covers a lot of things. So, but that's what I was taught, and so I remember that. I remember feeling like I could not make a mistake, and then I realized this: I could not live perfect. I made mistakes, and, and, and I say all that to say this, we have people that would literally say one thing and speak one thing, this is how you dress, this is how you do, and this is what we do, and then they go on vacation and live a totally different lifestyle, and here's the problem, if it's okay for me to do on vacation, it should be okay for me to do in my daily life, because I'm a believer, whether I'm here, afar, on foreign soil, no matter where I am, I'm a believer in Christ, I should live out what I say, how I treat people should be the same. How I treat the waiters and the waitresses and the doctors and the nurses and, 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 and how I treat the people that are doing customer service on their job selling things. I shouldn't treat them one way and then come around and then when they come to church have this different persona and this different attitude and think, wow, he's not like that other places. Good. Paul says this. He says, I, you know me. In fact, he talks about three areas. He says, first of all, he says, you certainly know what I teach. So, the very first area that he's talking about is the way I teach. This is the the need to hear your instruction, they need to hear your instruction, impartation of wisdom and knowledge. So, he's saying, what I teach. What are you teaching those around you? Because you are a mentor, whether you mean, in fact, if you're a parent, you're a mentor. In fact, we, we, we can't pound off that responsibility. The minute we say, hey, we're pregnant, which I know it's funny because I never carried a baby, but we were pregnant, and then we had a baby. From that moment on, for the next 18 plus years, I'm a mentor to that child. It's not my responsibility to give away. It's not my responsibility to hope someone else does it. It's not my responsibility to yell at the kids pastor over. It's not my responsibility to yell at the youth pastor for it or the life group leader and tell them, "Why why haven't you talked to my child about this? The real issue is, why should they be talking to my child about something I haven't talked to them about? Because they need to hear it here first so that when it's repeated there, that all of a sudden they realize we're in agreement and we're in agreement with the word, we're in agreement in lifestyle, so that it's hard to argue with that. But whenever I tell you one thing and I'm hoping someone else will teach you something else, it's easy to argue with. I know, don't don't everybody get excited. this goes everywhere. What are you teaching at work? What are you teaching to the people that are under you if you're a manager? What are you teaching to the people around you as a worker? What are you teaching to your bosses? I don't teach my boss nothing. Yo, they're watching you. They're learning from you. They're they're seeing when they give you stuff how you handle it. In fact, it's amazing to me. I'm so proud of our church staff because I can't tell you how many people have showed up to visit here on a Sunday because they met someone on our staff and how they were treated and how they, they said, I'd like to check out that church. I'm looking for a church. And the way they were treated me, the way they responded to me, it, I just want to come check it out. And, it doesn't, and I'm not just talking about our direct staff, our, our spouses. of our, 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 We've had people come to our church just because of the way our spouses have treated people in public because they are living out what they say and they're not doing. They're teaching where they are, everywhere. So what are you teaching? What do you impart knowledge to? Then he says, uh, and you know how I live. How I live. They see your life. They see what you're doing. You need to allow people into your world. People can't learn from you if you don't let them in your world. The highs and the lows. In fact, you will learn more about somebody in their lows than you'll ever learn in their highs how they respond to problems, how they respond to to bad situations, how they respond to stress, if they blow up at everybody, if they go off on everybody, if it's everybody else's fault and they never take responsibility for themselves, you'll learn a whole lot about the character of that person. So who are they, in and out, The, the messiness? I can learn as much from your mistakes as I can your successes. So what are they learning from you? What are they learning, and how you respond, how you deal with difficulty, how you deal with problems? Paul says, "This is how I want you to know. This is how you can trust what I'm saying to you. Everything that I said to this point, and everything I said up to this point, until I am, I am no longer of this earth and have made my way into heaven. You can trust what I say because you've watched me teach this and you've watched me live this. I want us to get to a place where everybody in this room." can get to a place so that you can watch what I say, or you can listen to what I say, and you can watch how I live, and you can learn to be more like Christ just from that. You are not only the only Bible that most people will ever read, you are the best Bible that most people will read, because more people will watch your lifestyle and learn from it than before they ever pick up the Word of God and believe it. You are the best example. You are the greatest outreach program for Boone County. You are the best outreach program for Newton County and Carroll County and all the surrounding. You are the best outreach program that the world has ever seen when you act like Christ. Then he goes on and he says, and you know what my purpose in life is. They will learn a lot about you and know you best by your purpose in life. They need to know your heart. Do the people around you, the people that you oversee, do the people in your life know your heart? heart. In fact, let's just say this, the real big problem for a lot of us is we have a heart issue. The reason why you've never fixed your attitude is because you haven't settled the heart issue. You haven't settled in your heart who you're going to follow, who you're going to trust, and give it over to God completely. We go through the form of godliness like we talked about last week, but we deny the power thereof, so we live the way we want, and we blame everybody else for the problems in life instead of owning it because we have a heart issue. The passion and the vision that drives us, what drives us forward? What drives us? Jesus modeled life on life for three years and then he turned his entire ministry over to 11 other guys have you modeled for people so well that you can turn what you're doing over to other people and let them duplicate the way you've been living in fact Jesus was so great because most of them had known the scripture. In fact, what he would teach, he says, you have heard it said, you've heard it written, you, you've heard this. But he was modeling out, living out, and he would teach them with his words. And they would watch him and they'd follow him. And then when he was gone and he ascended into heaven, the, the, the other disciples, you know what they did? They taught what Jesus taught them. They duplicated in others what was duplicated in them for three years. Many of us have been saved for years, and, and, and the big question I have is who are you duplicating? Who are you multiplying? One of the greatest things that ever came out of Acts uh, wasn't that people spoke it in another language. Oh, I mean, I know, I can't believe I said it myself. The greatest thing that happened out of Acts is that the church was added to daily and then multiplied. That the followers of Christ began to multiply one, yes, one to get saved, and then those one got two more, and then it was four, and then those, got, and there was eight, and then on and on and on. It just kept doubling because it wasn't something that just one person around talked to as many people he could. It was they duplicated what was inside them, and they kept going like wildfire duplicating that until it just swept, and it was too hard to stop. That's what I believe that Christ has called us for. He's called us to live a life that's so exceptional, that so uh, uh, resembles the Word and resembles Christ that people look at us and they want to live like that and they want to duplicate and they want to tell other people about it because if we lived out what God told us to, this whole world would be different. Last part of verse 10, he goes on, You know my faith, you know my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I've endured. And you know about how I was persecuted in Antioch, in Iconium, and in Lystra, this where he was stoned and left for dead. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Paul looks at five areas right here where he says, you know me. You understand me. You know my heart. And the very first thing he says, you know my faith. This is the spiritual arena he works in. It's how I connect with God and deal with doubt. It's, it's faith. It's the spiritual arena which he deals with. It's believing what God says. It's trusting God. It's my relationship with God. It's this idea that he says, you know my faith. You know my relationship with God. You've watched me live this thing out. You know how I responded to fear with with faith. You know how I was, had the opportunity to go under when I was beaten and left for dead. You know when I was put in prison. You know when they came after and tried to kill me. You know when they accused me of different things. You know whenever I, I was, I was uh, shipwrecked. You know all these things about me, and you saw me stand for my faith. You saw that I put my faith above my fear. I want people, when they look at us, go through circumstances and situations that they will see the faith rise out above all else. I want to be a people that when problems come, they say, man, I don't know what it is, but they don't worry the way other people do. They trust, they trust in something that's so much deeper. If I just wish in life I could have what they have. Have that faith that, that, that is so strong. Then he says, You know, my patience, this is the soul arena, how I deal with stress, my relationship with frustrations in life. I'll tell you, patience is where I struggle with. I want to be patience. I want to have patience. But in order to have patience, you got to go through problems. So I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not a great fan of the process. And neither are you, you know? To be a good runner, you have to do what? Run. But when you run, you hurt. You taste metallic taste in your mouth where blood vessels and capillaries are bursting in your lungs. You feel shin splints where all of a sudden... <clears throat> the meat is literally tearing off the bone in your, on your, your shins, and you feel these things, and you hurt, and your feet hurt, and you go home, and you think, I don't feel better. <laughs> and then when you finally start getting to the weight and to the, to the cardio you want, all of a sudden something else takes your knees begin to hurt. And you have to wear knee braces. I'm speaking for myself. And so you wear knee braces and you wrap your legs and you go through all this stuff and then you have to keep going and you can't stop and then you realize this is a long process that why did I even start this? Can't I do something else? But that's how you build endurance and you build patience the same way. You go through things that aren't fun. You realize there's new hurts, there's new pains, new stresses, new things you gotta deal with and as you go through these things, you build your patience up but it's not something that comes just because you want it. The most patient people in life weren't Born patient. In fact, here's what I've learned the bigger the problems I deal with, the less I stress about the smaller things and I have more patience over. So if you want to get at this level of not worrying, you got to deal with this level of problems. That's right, I wouldn't amen that either. Because we want this level of patience, but we don't want this level of problems. Because the things that I worried about when I was 16, when I was 20, I thought, that's foolishness. Why was I so worried about that? It didn't even matter. not even going to matter in life. The things I worried when I was graduating high school, I didn't worry about when I was 25 and dealing with kids and, and trying to pay bills. The things that I worried about at 25, I didn't worry about 30, each level. in the same thing, the greater the situation, people who have overcome cancer don't worry about the common cold. So the question is, If you're going to have patience, what are you willing to endure? So when you look at somebody and say, wow, I just wish I could be patient like them. No, you don't. (laughs) No, you don't. I promise you. There's a struggle. Then he says this, he says, you know my love. It's a whole lot easier to love people when you've been through things and you build up grace and patience and mercy and you do this stuff and you learn to love and you realize things that I thought were so big weren't big and you can love people through anything. And so he says, you know my love. Paul treated people so much better than they treated him. Love is the relationship arena. It's how I deal with people. How I deal with people. My relationship with other people. This is how he does. What is your love? Do you love people? Do you genuinely love people? because it's hard in fact we talked about it already we've talked about it for the last year after the, the the virus hit after covid hit uh it's been tough sometimes to love certain people they make it difficult people have lost their ability to be nice and sweet and care for one another and they say mean things and they they say rude things and they don't, they're short-tempered and you think why do people have to act like that we got to learn to love people love people where they are Love people not because they're perfect. Love people not because they've done you right. Love people because that's what Jesus would do. Love people because he loved us first. Loved us that when we were unlovable. And let me tell you, we still make mistakes. And here's the deal, if we don't love people, I'll just say this, this is, this is good, this is not my notes. If we don't love people out of free will, We'll be put in positions where we'll need somebody to love us when we're unlovable so that we'll learn to love people better when they're in those situations. Because he disciplines those he loves. He teaches us those he loves. He wants us to grow. So if we don't learn to love people where they are, we'll be put in positions where we'll need love, and then it's a whole lot easier to love somebody. Man. This is so encouraging, Pastor Brian. I'm so glad you preached this today. Listen, it was just in line. I don't know when you're doing expositor preaching, it's just what goes in line. Um, (laughs) It talks about, and you know, my endurance. This is the physical and mental arena. How we deal with problems and persecutions. You know, my endurance. How do I deal with things physically when things don't go about well? How do I deal with with things mentally? The, the, The mental and physical stress that we've been under for the last two years has been enormous. But how we deal with it, how we process it as believers, says a lot about the character of who we are. The world may change around us, but we as believers should have never changed because we should constantly be living out Christ's mandate for our life. When people look at you, you will be different. I grew up all my life hearing that you'll be a peculiar people. They're going to know you by just looking at you. And, 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 and when I grew up, that meant a lot about physical attributes. You live a holiness, you'll, you'll have uh, long sleeves, you, you, you'll wear long dresses, and that's what they, 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 they associated it with. But that's not what it means. They will look at you and say they are different in the way they treat people. They are different in the way they act towards people. They're smiling. There's something. It almost glow about them because they're always so happy. It's almost annoying they're so happy. They they, they go through things that would would stumble most of us and make most of us fall to our knees. But the way they process it, I just don't understand it. Man, it's just something different about it. I want to be like that. But I don't know if I have what it takes. And they begin to talk to you. And they begin to hear about Jesus. And all of a sudden, they begin to surrender their life. And people come to know Jesus all because you live like him in your daily life. And then the fifth one he deals with out there is persecution. This is our fruit. You've witnessed the result first hands of the fruit. Paul is saying, listen, you trust my teaching. Trust my life example. Trust that God will do in your life what he's done for me. Trust the word. Let me ask you this. Who is your mentor and who are you mentoring? I believe that everybody needs to be mentoring somebody and everybody needs someone mentoring them. Everybody. No matter who you are, what stage of life you are, there's always someone who's going further along and there's always someone you could be reaching down to help. I believe uh, older married couples ought to take a young married couple under their wings. And when the young married couple gets stressed out, because you'd be surprised how many people don't have parents in their life right now. They've either passed away or they moved away. They moved here for a job and they don't have family. You could be like a, 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 a grandparent, a mom. I'll, I'll never forget when we had a, a youth event. And I just had uh, adults come up and adopt kids up here after a, a big uh, youth retreat weekend. And Karen and Larry Britt came and adopted my son, and, they, and during that time, they took on all my kids. And Karen, till the day she passed away of cancer, sent birthday gifts, cards, prayed for my kids, visited with them, texted them, and loved on them, just like she was their very own grandparent, and she was a wonderful woman of God, and we need more people like that in our lives. We need more people like that. We need more people like this, that when they see a, a little mom, a new mom getting stressed out, says, hey, why don't you let me watch them and you go on a date with your husband? You don't have to pay me. out. Let me just watch them. I just want to love on you guys. I just want to bless you guys. You don't know what that means to a, parent, to, to a family that don't feel like they have anybody and they don't have much money and they don't feel like they can afford a babysitter. It means the world. Being being who we need to be to one another, loving one another when they're going through the stress, when they're going through problems, mentoring them, loving them, when they get into a fight with their spouse, learning to say, listen, life's got tough. And how you go through these and how you work through these situations. Let me ask you this, who is modeling life for you? We must always remember that our lives are highly contagious and we reproduce who we are, not what we say. You are contagious. People are watching you. In fact, one of the very first things we tell all of our pastoral staff is, is that, that, that people are watching you. We talk about that idea of being contagious. But I believe that for all of our people in here, you are, people are watching you, and how you live your life is very contagious. Good or bad, more is caught than taught. I believe this about being contagious and discipling others. Parents, you are the number one influencer of your child's life. You are the number one influencer of your child's life. No one has more influence over your child, whether you believe it or not, than you do. Oh, you don't know my kids. You don't know how they talk to me. Yeah, I do. Josh, you want to come up here and tell them something? No, I'm just kidding. Not <laughs> him. Madison, you come on up here. Um, okay, neither one of them want to get up here. I get it, I get it. But listen, there's been there times where I, I thought they hated me. thought they hated Sandra, and I really couldn't understand that. But you know what? As they got older... I learned that they did listen. And all of a sudden, they quote things that I, I would have told you up and down. They never heard anything I said. And all of a sudden, they start recalling things, and they, they quote to other people. In fact, I remember uh, talking to Josh one time about not giving him a spanking and saying, I'm going to show you. How he, he deserved a spanking. I was going to give him a whooping. And, and when we got home, I said, son, I, I just feel like this. God showed us grace and mercy when he died on the cross, and I want to show you that. So I'm not going to spank you today because you deserve that. I'm not going to give it to you because I'm going to show you grace today, mercy. And, you know, he passed it on like, good, I got out of trouble that day. But then as he got older, I remember when he was telling Lucas, Paul, in a car, in front of Scott, Paul, hey, listen, sometimes you don't get what you deserve. Sometimes you get grace and mercy. Paul comes and I mean, Scott Paul comes and tells me about Josh repeating that stuff. And I thought, wow, they listen. You'd be surprised. You are the number one influencer in your child's life, whether you realize it or not. We reproduce who we are. In verse twelve, it goes on, and it says, "Yes, and everyone who wants to live godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil people and impostors will flourish." Other translations say they will; it will go from bad to worse. They will deceive each other and themselves and be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know that you are a true, or you know that you are true, and you know. You can trust those who taught you. Who taught him? His mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois. And he's saying, and I've taught you. Listen, I remember those times. I I remember after graduating, having such a love for my grandmother, Winnie Wright. I'd go there early in the morning because my grandmother... She just didn't live by normal time timescale. She went to bed at 3 and got up at 3 a.m. She, you know, 3 p.m. she's in bed, 3 a.m. she's up, and then she was just up. And I'd come over there before I'd go to work sometimes, and she'd be over there reading her Bible. And I said, what are you doing? She goes, well, I was just praying for you, honey. <laughs> and she would just do it. I'd go over there. i love spending time with my grandmother. She'd go over there. We'd sit and watch the Gaither videos together. That's what she loved doing in her free time, that game shows. Uh, and we'd go over there and have a Coke break, but I remember watching her faith, and I watched her pray for her kids, and I watched her pray for her grandkids, and then her great kids, all the way until she passed away, and you know what, I remember the faith of my grandmother that she installed in me, I remember my mom, and I remember the first time my mom taught in women's ministry, I thought, wow, they want you to teach, I thought my mom was a superstar, because they wanted her to speak in in, in uh, women's ministry, now that I'm older, I realize she's probably terrified, scared to death, and say, why did they ask me, but at the time, I thought, wow, that's so cool, and and, 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 you know, those things I, I remember, and as I got older, they burst something in me that caused me to want to be a, a, a preacher of the gospel and, and proclaim the gospel. And who knows how many people's lives have been touched by my by, by, by little old grandmother and my mom and the prayer that they did that was handed down from generation to generation, that was handed down to me. And, and I, you just don't know. You're making a difference. The life of faith by his mother and grandmother is anchored in hope and he has witnessed it firsthand. Verse 15. You have been taught by the Holy Scriptures from childhood and they are giving you the wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting Jesus Christ. Paul is challenging Timothy. Remember your roots. Hold fast to what you've been taught. And he says this. Never allow doubts to override your faith in the word. Never allow doubts to override your faith in the word, there's going to be things that come up in life, but don't allow the doubts to overcome what God's spoken to you through His Word. We all face doubts and fears. We all go through things. It's it's what you do when it comes. It's how you respond. Will you believe God's Word uh, declares over you, or will you believe the voices of your circumstances? What will you believe? Verse three, uh, chapter three, verse sixteen. The very first, says all Scripture is inspired by God, or other versions say God breathed. All scripture is God-breathed, given by divine inspiration. Every time we read through this scripture, every time we read through it, 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 we we breathe life. In fact, it's like an oxygen. It's like oxygen to us. When When you read this word, it's like putting on oxygen. You know, some of those people that have been going through COVID and they were struggling, they had to have oxygen on. Listen, when you've gone through things and you've gone through life, something about putting this on your heart, it brings oxygen. Some of you are starting to turn a little blue. You need to put the oxygen of God's word in your life and let it begin to bring life back into you because it will spark life in you when you didn't have it. When you didn't know, when you thought you were losing, all of a sudden you'll start reading the word and it'll encourage you. I can't tell you how many times I start reading a verse or a scripture and all of a sudden there's something that comes quick to my heart and it stirs life into me. In fact, Caleb and I do this all the time. We'll send scripture, woo! And that's good stuff. He'll send it to me. I'm like, woo, that's good stuff. Because why? It breathed life into me and I wanted to share that life with other people because there's something powerful about God's word. All scriptures is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do his good work. The goal of God's word is to give us what we need so that we can live a godly lifestyle. It's a truth detector. It's a God connector. It's a mind protector. It's a thought corrector, a future projector. The Word of God teaches us truth. It reveals errors uh, of our life and corrects us. It trains us how to live. That's what the Word of God does. As we close, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We must have received it all by, the, by this, by coming to know him, the one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of the, his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. That's this word. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the words, I'm sorry, the world's corruption caused by human desires. You can trust God's word. It is life-giving. It gives you what you need. It, it's what gives us, the, it, it giving us great protection and guidance. It's what guides our lives. The word of God is so powerful. And so through all this thing, all this thing, uh, Paul says, even when I'm gone, you can trust his word. Let me tell you some things I've had to learn. I've had to learn to not just read the word when I'm going through problems, but to read it in the good times. We say it for the kids for JBQ all the time, but we put the word of God in our heart when we don't need it, so it'll be there when we do. Because sometimes something hits you so fast, so hard, I don't have time to go find something. I have to draw from what's already inside the well. One day we may not have the word of God before us, so I have hidden his word in my heart that I might not sin against him. I put his word in my heart so I'll remember. I put his word in my heart so that I'll be humble when I go through things. I put his word in my heart so it's something that I can live out, breathe out, do, act out. There's something so powerful about the Word of God that we need to get into it. And, and so I've had to do things. In fact, whenever sometimes I use the Bible app and do studies and I've learned that I've had to put it in airplane mode because I don't want messages from Facebook popping up. I don't want to be distracted. Some of you start reading on your Bible app and, and, and something pops up on Facebook, you're like, what's that? And then 20 minutes later, ago, you gotta get ready for work and you didn't even read your word, the Bible. You started, well, you gotta cut out the distractions. You got to find ways to shut out all the distractions. For some of you, you got to put it on airplane mode. For others of you, you need to get just throw it away and put it on the charger and get into a, a paperback version. But you got to get into the word. We've got to put this word in our heart now more than ever before because there's so much false teaching out there. But the word of God is never false. As we become believers. It lights up inside of us. It burns in our heart, and it shows us things. and teaches us things, and we get involved with life groups, and we grow in with our knowledge and in our faith, and all of a sudden, when we have questions, we ask our life group. They study it out together. They work it out together, and we grow together, and it's just awesome to watch believers sharpening one another because iron really does sharpen iron. So I'm telling you, you need more than Sunday morning teaching. You need to be involved in a life group. You need to be connected with other believers. You need to be in a Bible study. You need to be connecting and learning the word of God and growing in the word of God together. You need to find some way that you can strengthen your faith more than just attendance on Sunday morning. Push him, get in, get into his word because the word will never guide you wrong. Never want to stand in this place. I'm not gonna do a long drawn-out altar call. We've already seen God do some things tonight. We're gonna have an amazing miracle night. But I wanna pray over you. I wanna pray over you and then I'll dismiss you this morning. But if you wanna stay around and pray, you can pray. If you wanna come early tonight, you can come early and pray. But my ultimate desire is two things. Number one, to get into the word of God and live it out. And number two, you you'll get connected with other believers. Whether through a life group, a Bible study, doing something. Get connected with other believers. You weren't meant to do life alone. So let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you for everybody in this place. Lord, you're an amazing God. God, you've done so much. I can't even begin to tell it all. Lord, we're so thankful for your faithfulness. We're thankful for your strength. We're thankful that when I'm weak, you're strong. I, I'm thankful that, that that I've gone through things so that I might be more understanding and patient with other people. I'm thankful that I've grown in my love. Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, because you have been so merciful for me. How can I not be merciful for other people. God, I'm so grateful for all you're doing in this church. Lord, it's your church, and Lord, I'm just humble to be used. And God, Lord, I just pray that as we leave this place, God, we would have such a heart to get, dive into the Word of God, to get stronger in our faith and be a part of a life group so we can grow with one another, learn from one another, and Lord, that we could find out that, Lord, there's still a God on the throne who's doing great things. I pray as we come back tonight, God, we would have such an attitude and there would be such an atmosphere of expectancy that your spirit would show up and do great things. Lord, we love you today. We go with you and we pray, Lord, for each and every person in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. You're dismissed. we see you tonight at 6 p.m. Do whatever you have to to get back here. You don't want to miss out.